continuing the part two of Hilchot Tamut Torah in, uh, on page 165. There are three main topics that I want to deal with in this year. The first topic is, we touched on it last week, and that is the phenomena in our generation of, the, of thousands of people learning in Kolel. Is it a good thing? Is it a, could, could there be a problem with it? Etc. The second topic is women's learning Torah, their obligation. Again, is it a good thing? Could there be a problem with it? And the third topic is write, the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah. Now, the common denominator between all three of these topics is we'll see that there might be a difference based in halakha, based on societal changes and norms in all three of those topics. Learning in Kolel, women's learning Torah, and write, the mitzvah of writing a Sefer Torah, we'll see that the poskim, there's the basic halakha, and how that basic halakha adapts when societal norms change. In all three of those sugyot, so let's, let's begin. When it comes to the mitzvah of receiving, uh, of, of Talmud Torah, we know, we learned it last week, one of the greatest mitzvahs that we have, etc., can one get money, compensation, for learning or teaching Torah? Says the Mishnah in Pirka Avot. Do not be like servants who, who worship and, and serve their master in order to get a prize. Now this could be uh, uh, some type of midat chasidut, you know, you shouldn't do it for the, for the reward, but if you did, it's not necessarily an avera, it's just you're not reaching the highest level. But then, Dafka, when it comes to Talmud Torah, we have another Mishnah, also in Pirkavot. Says the Mishnah in Pirkavot, chapter 4, Rabbi Tzadok Komer, regarding the learning of Torah, Do not make it a crown to grandiose yourself. Do not make it a spade in order to dig with. Anyone who uses the crown of Torah shall perish. Anyone who uses benefits from Torah basically is shortening his life. That's quite a severe statement mentioned in the Mishnah. And the Rambam basically elaborates on this topic and he says as follows, You already know, Hillel Azakin, the great sage Hillel, he was a woodchopper. And he studied under the two greatest And on the one hand, he was the utter, the, the uh, impoverished, uh, complete impoverishment. But in terms of his learning, the Gemara says about his Talmudim, his students were compared, the greatest were compared to like Yoshua and Moshe, and Moshe and Yoshua, and the smallest was Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai. And then he says, No person with a mind could have any uh, Havamina that if Hillel would have just said, I need some money, uh, you know, in order to 
to, to put bread on the table and I'll continue being the God of Lador, says the Rambam, who, which person wouldn't have given to him? No, no one in one's right mind could say that he wouldn't be able to. I remember a few years ago when Rabbi Yashiv, I think he was already 100 years old, and he needed to have an operation. Um, and a person at 100 years old to have an operation is not, not, not as simple. They found who was the best doctor uh, for this procedure, someone in New York. And uh, they were going to fly out this doctor, his whole team, etc. And it was like a, over a million shekels of dollars. Like, and I, within a few hours, people were lining up. There were a few millionaires that were, were, were fighting who would give the money to pay for the whole team of doctors to fly over to do the operation of Rabbi Yashin. That's what the Rambam say. Would anyone not want to do a horat keva into Hillel Zachin's Cheshbon Bank? I would definitely, uh, you know, put it on top of Matzadak list, but he never did so. Why didn't he do so? Says the Rambam, you see from this that there is a problem of getting money, receiving compensation for learning, and over here, Hila was probably even teaching Torah, right? And then, so it, it, we'll just um, skip to the Rambam in Hilchot Talmud Torah, because he says the same idea, but he, he says it more, perhaps more sharply. Anyone who decides to learn Torah and not do get a job, not go and do um, get a parnasa, and he will um, earn his livelihood from charity. He has desecrated God's name, degraded the Torah, he has extinguished the light of religion. He has caused uh, bad things to himself. And he loses his chilek in Olam Haba, in the world to come. Very sharp, uh, extremely poignant and vociferous statements from the Rambam. And therefore, the, the question is, I, and I'm, I'm not talking about the 20th century, thank God, or maybe we'll, we'll discuss uh, how positive this phenomenon is of thousands of people learning in Kola. I'm not talking about that. Before the 20th century, for the last 2,000 years, every community, there have been Rabbanim that have got a salary and to teach, and they've been Roshay Yeshiva. So, how does that fit with the Rambam? And the Kesef Mishnah, the Beit Yosef, Rabbi Yosef Kara, who is the great defender of the Rambam, in general, over here completely disagrees. And he gives two reasons why he disagrees with the Rambam. The first, the first reason, he says, is that it's not clear that all the proofs of the Rambam, you know, Hillel Hazaken, and he was a woodchopper, perhaps he was only a woodchopper in his earlier days, when he was not known and he wasn't teaching. But it could be that once he's already teaching, that he did get a Parnassah as the Nasi, number one. Number two, says the Beit Yosef. Um, look in the middle of the... Um, look in the middle about uh, eight lines into it. Kol makom Any time where the halacha isn't clear, halacha haraminha, we have a clear direction of how to approach of how to decide halacha. When it's not clear, pok chazi ma'amadaba. 
go out and see what the nation is doing. And says, says the case of Mishnah, I think the Rambam's wrong. But you know what? It might not be clear. And if it might not be clear, then just look what everyone's doing. And we have, that is the approach. If you're not sure what the halacha is, we'll see. Everyone's getting a salary. All communities are, are, have Rabbanim that are getting a salary. So that seems to be reason number one why he thinks it's okay. Yeah. Is the Rambam arguing with himself? Because with the, the Shevet Last week, right. So I, we, I don't think the Rambam forgot what he wrote in Hilchot Yobel to Hilchot Talmud Torah. Um, there are those that seem to say it's a, it's a contradiction. I think the, the easiest uh, way to resolve the contradiction is the Rambam in, in, Hilchot, in Hilchot Shemitah wasn't saying that a person was saying, I'm going to get Parnassah from Tzedakah. He never said that. Basically, he was saying a person wants to dedicate his life to a Kodesh Baruch who can do so. Now, it could be that, for, I'll give you an example, the Ramah. The Ramah was a very rich uh, Jew and he dedicated his life to Talmud Torah. In fact, he funded all the yeshiva that he had. The Ramah funded his Talmudim. Right? So he didn't take a, he didn't take a, and he didn't do it, he didn't work because he came from a, a rich family. I think that's what the Rambam, you could say, that that's what the Rambam is saying. In Hilchot Shmita, a person, because if you would take the mission literally, you have to be able, you have to be working, because without it, so, so far, Gorera Tavon. So that's what the Rambam was saying. No, there was a concept of Shevet Alevi, a few individuals, not only Shevet Alevi, that if they want to dedicate themselves to Talmud Torah, it would be okay, it would be okay. Does that mean that they can demand from the community tzedakah adka. I, that's, I think, the easiest way to resolve the Rambam. Um, but it's clear that what's unclear in Shevet, in, in Kilchot Shemitah over here is very clear, that you cannot receive money for, for Talmud Torah, so then... Or, or for teaching. Here, here it's more, even teaching. Here it's more teaching. No, right. And in Shemitah maybe it was only... Well, I, I think know, it, most people would say it's a Kalvachomer. If you can't Get because you can't get benefit from Torah. So, so any if you're sitting in, okay. But now, basically, the second reason why the case of Mishnah says we disagree with the Rambam is very interesting. First of all, factually, for the last thousand years before the Rambam, thousand years after the Rambam, or five hundred years in the times of the case of Mishnah, people. All Chachmei Israel got a salary. And now he says something very interesting. He says, even if we were to assume that the Rambam is actually correct, what will we say? It could be that although maybe the Rambam is right, Me'ikaradin, but to save the Torah world and to save Am Israel, the Chochmei Hadorot, all of the sages of throughout the generations realize that we need Rabbonim and we need Rosh Yeshiva and without them being getting a salary, we won't have it. This is a time that you can almost break the Torah in order to save the Torah and because of that, that's why they did it. So either the Rambam is incorrect and even if he is correct, the Chochmei Adorot, Paskin, this is one of those times where we basically go against Halacha in order to save Halacha. 
So that's a very interesting take. The bottom line is that the Ramah in source number seven, in his, he begins by saying, uh, this is your Reish Mem Vav, sorry. Anyone who basically wants to learn Torah and not go to work and is going to get money from tzedakah, says the Ramah, this is a chilul Hashem, is degradation of the Torah, not Torah, for it is prohibited to get benefit from the words of Torah. Who's he quoting? The Rambam. He's quoting the Rambam. Chilul Hashem, it's Asr. V'chol Torah she'enima melacha gorer tavon. Furthermore, he quotes the Mishnah. Any Torah without work causes sin. V'sofor l'lasem avriyot, and ultimately people will become thieves. V'kol zeh babari, but this is only for healthy people. V'yachol l'asok v'melachto, o b'derech eretz k'sat v'liyot atzma, v'lachiyot atzma. This is for a person who can basically go out and work. Or sustain himself in some way by working part-time. But an older person or He can get benefit from his Torah and basically rely on other people to provide for him. So the, the Ramah's opinion, basically first opinion is, for a healthy guy, 30 old, he shouldn't be in Kolel, he should be going out to get a job. Or at least a part-time job. And then he adds, But some say, that Even a healthy person would be permitted. And therefore, The custom of all of the communities of Israel. That the rabbi of the community gets a salary. And he gets provided for by his community in order that he won't have to work and and he adds a lot and he will not have to work which will be a shame for the it will be a bizayon in front of the people here the Ramah is invoking the exact opposite logic of the Rambam it's also a marshal. In fact, it might be the source, might be the marshal. The Yamshal Shlomo says, for a rabbi, imagine a rabbi, right? Walking down the street today, and he's, uh, you know, he's, he's sweeping the floors. Right? He's, uh, he's uh, whatever, he's doing his bricklaying. What kind of, what would people think of the Torah? This is a Torah sage, and that's what he's doing. It would be a bizayon, according to the marashal. It's a bizayon for the Torah. Why is it a bizayon? Because, according to the marashal, the guy could have sat an extra two hours and learned. And we would have said, we'll, we'll pay for you. No problem. You go sit and learn. You answer our shilas. We'll pay for you. The guy said, no, no, no. I'm going to go lay bricks. What, what does that show to the people? How does that put on a... How does that... What message are people getting in terms of the elevated status of Torah and the elevated status of Talmidei Chachamim. So the Ramah is actually invoking the opposite uh, Svarah, that it could be that the rabbi of the community, for him to do menial labor, it might be a bizayon of the Torah. Now, just one caveat, it seems that this bizayon might be limited to the Rav. 
I, it could be that there's a difference between the rabbi of the community as opposed to um, as opposed to anyone. One could argue not. One could argue no. The rabbi is giving a blanket statement, and it's not necessarily limited to the rabbi of the community. It's anyone who's who is um, call it um, representing Torah, and anyone who's a talmid chacham who's learning represents Torah, whether he's got an official position or not. So that's a debate. I'm not sure exactly how to understand the Ramah, but let's leave it open for the meantime. Yeah. Until very recently, I believe there was a difference between Rabbanim and Chutzla'aretz and Rabbanim and Eretz Yisrael. A rabbi in Eretz Yisrael basically was a posek. He was the one who gave the drush on Shabbos Sagodah and on Shabbos Shuvah. Right. Whereas a rabbi in the diaspora, at least in the United States, was expected to be a pastor as well as to be a posek. He was expected to visit the sick. He was expected to counsel Hassanim and Kalot. And so forth, taking time away right. from his own Talmud Torah right. to perform functions that were expected there of a rub, which weren't so expected here of a rub. Well, they definitely were expected of the rub also in Europe, those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but, okay, so could, could be. Let's so that, that's up until now we've been talking about so we see that it could be a problem of actually receiving money that's uh, for, for learning and even maybe for teaching and that was definitely the opinion of the Rambam and the Rambam was true to his own, uh, own opinion he became a doctor when he was not a doctor his brother supported him in the Yisachar Zvulon his brother worked and, and he learned but it was, wasn't Sadaka. That's what perhaps the Rambam was referring to in Hilchot Shmita, the Yovel. You can do that. That's not a problem. But he didn't go ask for, for money from the community. Until his brother um, died. No, when he's, after his brother died, then he went out and worked as a physician. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would not take money from the community for learning Torah. In-house, you want to do a family, uh, you know, how are you going to break up? Are you going to be the Yisachar? Are you going to be the Zvulon? The Rambam definitely, I think, would have no problem with that. And that's how he actually lived his life. But now comes the question of thousands of people learning in Yeshivot and in Kolel. How does that fit with the opinion of the, even the Mekel opinion? Who was the Mekel opinion? The Mekel opinion was the Ramah, correct? But even the Ramah, it seemed that what? What was the Minhag? He was basically saying the Minhag was that every town they had a rabbi that they paid. But not not thousands of people going and learning full-time and, and being in the kollel in, um, in, in, in kollel. So here, and we're running out of time, so I'll, I'll, let, let's read the Chazonish and then we'll, we'll do everything else outside on this. It should be known that the wisdom of the Torah is different to any secular wisdom. In order to be a great Torah sage and acquire Torah properly, you have to delve with it in, into Torah your entire life. It's not like you can just dedicate a few hours, even a maths degree, become a, a professor of maths. So you can dedicate a few hours, but you know, you can go on living in. Torah is different. It's a lifetime exercise and you have to dedicate your entire life to it. With all their heart. It was necessary for the few select people 
that are going to become the leaders of and the people who really acquire Torah for their generation, that they cannot work because they, they need to have full-time learning. To give them the freedom to delve into the Torah. Because in the end of the day, they've got families um, that they have to, they have to uh, provide for. And we always found that Am Yisrael recognized that there needed to be a tribe of Levi. Physically a tribe of Levi, as we saw, but spiritual leaders that are designated and the community at large provide for them. He says... In previous generations, when we had kollelim, they were not so important. The yeshivot were more important. The yeshivot basically implanted in the hearts of people to be of the Hashem and to, to become, to keep being from Orthodox Jews. And the kollelim were just, that was something else. That was a different, uh, different need. But says the Chazonish, I think this is written probably in the 1950s, that here in Eretz HaKadosh, in the lowly spiritual state where we're in, the institutes that are true to the Torah are so few and far between. And the idea, the cognizance that the Torah is the lifeblood of our nation remains in the private domain. I, not many communities, not many institutions believe that. And therefore, says the Chazonish, we're now in a situation that because no one recognizes anymore this essential part of Klal Yisrael, even the Talmidei Chachamim can no longer support themselves. And in order to strengthen this and change the pervasive mindset, the Kolelim are needed and they are critical to create a, a, a spiritual revolution. And so basically the, 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 the Chazonish was saying, correct, perhaps in previous generations this was not acceptable, but in our generation, we're talking in the 1950s, we need a spiritual revolution to bring back a, a certain uh, uh, understanding of the place of Torah within the Jewish people, the need for Talmidei Chachamim, and because of that we need our colony. That was a break uh, on a certain level from previous generations. But that was the Chazonish. And basically the Chazonish gave the halachic stamp of approval to create the Kolo movement as we, have, as we know it today. Rav Moshe Feinstein. But he says, No, that was, the the, that was the first part. That was the first and part. he changes. He changes. Yeah. He says, that was in previous generations where it was only B'nai Ha'aliyah Mu'atid. The Igrot Moshe was asked, uh, I'll say this outside, the Igrot Moshe was asked whether a person, 
uh, 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 a kollel, person learning kollel, maybe he wanted to go and get work because of the opinion of the Rambam, as we saw. He said, this is the Yetzirah speaking. He says the Ramah has already passed that it's okay, which is also interesting because he the, correct. So the, the Shulchan Aruch seen the Ramah was taking the Ramah's head there as pretty much not only the Rav but anyone who wants to represent the Torah, i.e., anyone who is feels considers themselves as full-time learning as representing the Torah, that would be okay according to Rav Moshe Feinstein. Yabir Omer says something similar. And that basically is one approach, right? Chazonish, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, Yabir Omer, I'd call it the more Kolel Haredi approach. And that is uh, Vadai they have, or whom to rely on, who are we to judge uh, the Gdolea Dor, such as the Chazonish, Rabbi Moshe Feinstein. These were Gdolea Poskim. On the other hand, we have other opinions that didn't take this approach. This is more, I'd call it the modern Orthodox or religious Zionist approach. Uh, represented by Rav Melametia. He says, Chashub la'adgish shelefi anir'eh midivra aposkim, ein b'zeh heter klali l'chol tamidea yeshivot l'ilmot ra'o l'itparnes mikupat ha'tzivot. There's no blanket permission for anyone to say, you know what, I'm just going to go and learn in Kolel and I'll get money from Tzedakah. Mishum shekol ha'heter u'ach barak k'day la'atzmiach tamidea chachamim u'morim. The heter was in order to produce Talmidei Chachamim and teachers, as we saw the minag of the Ramah, right? The person just learns not in order to teach. It is preferable that he does um, go out and get, uh, get a job uh, rather than getting that being the finest. However, Rav Melamed says there are an exception to the rule, <coughs> even according to my opinion. And that is, he does believe that there is a few years that everyone should be able to establish themselves uh, that they are know the, the foundations of Torah, etc. Especially by late Shuvah. They didn't have a, a, an opportunity when they were growing up to sit in Yeshiva and learn. So you're going to say, they're not going to be great rabbis, they're not going to even be teachers, so they can't go learn in Kolel. He says, no, for them, they should spend a few years learning. But again, it's, it's a, it's a um, limited type of approach as opposed to a, an all-encompassing approach of the Chazonish and Rav Moshe Feinstein. That is um, uh, one topic. I'm going to skip the Yisacharos Vulun just because... I want to deal with women in Talmud Torah. I think that um, we've got half an hour, so it's a big topic and, and, and very uh, topical and controversial. So we'll try and explain the different opinions. And here, if we thought there were varying opinions regarding the Kolel movement, here the opinions uh, Mamish are uh, from East and West, you know, we'll, we'll see different opinions. And again, as we saw in the previous sugya, it seems that the halakha was sensitive to the norms of society changing. That's what the Chazonish was basically saying. Not only the Chazonish, that was the Kesef Mishnah, saying, This was something that already in the times of the Shulchan Aruch, he was saying that the halakha regarding this specific halakha does have to adapt for this topic based on societal norms. Does that 
would that also apply to women's learning? And let's, so let's see. To begin with, everyone agrees, and this is quite unanimous, that the obligation of women to learn Torah is not the same as an obligation of men to learn Torah. This is a Gemara in Kiddushin, Chavtet Amudbet. How do I know that a woman is not obligated to teach her son Torah? It says you shall teach and you shall learn. Anyone who is commanded to learn is also commanded to teach. However, anyone who isn't commanded to learn is not commanded to teach either. So the assumption over here is the Gemara says, since women aren't commanded to learn, obviously they aren't commanded to teach their sons. Well, how do we know that she isn't commanded to learn? Anyone who they, others are commanded to teach them, they are commanded to learn themselves. But if other people aren't obligated to teach them, they aren't commanded to teach themselves. Okay, so then how do I know that other people aren't obligated to teach women? So says the Gemara, The Torah says, You shall teach your sons, your sons and not your daughters. From there I learn out that we are not obligated to teach women. If women aren't obligated to be taught, they aren't obligated to learn. If they aren't obligated to learn, they aren't obligated to teach. Everyone get the, the, the chain of events here. The Gemara is saying, people aren't obligated to teach women. Therefore women aren't obligated to learn. Therefore women aren't obligated to teach. That is unanimous in terms of its exeritakatuv. No one argues. We haven't found any opinion that argues that is, there is a difference that women basically do not have a obligation or the same obligation as men when the Torah says really matter tem or tam. What about Shlomo Melech who says Shemani Musaro Hicha Yaki Tosh Torati? Alti Tosh Torati Mecha. What does that mean? I don't think that's a kasha. We have to understand what Shlomo Melech meant, right? But uh, but it's so. So here says me, here comes, so up until now, all we've said is that, you know, maybe women don't have an obligation to learn Torah. But one could fit that into a category of many mitzvot. For example, women don't have an obligation to shake a lulav, they don't have an obligation to hear the shofar or to sit in a sukkah. However, everyone agrees that if they do sit in a sukkah, if they do hear the shofar, it is very uh, praiseworthy. And they get reward for it. There's a difference between Mitzvah Vaseva and non Mitzvah Vaseva. One who is obligated to do something, the reward that they get to, versus one who isn't obligated. But for certain, it's a praiseworthy thing. It's a Mitzvah that they're doing. Should we apply the same laws to Talmud Torah? Okay, so the Gemarian Kiddushin told me that she isn't obligated to learn, at least not on the same level as a man. But if she did, is there any problem? So here we jump to Masechet Sot. Masechet Sota is talking about a woman who basically is accused by her husband of committing adultery and she is warned and there's a whole process. She is brought by her husband to the Beit HaMikdash. She drinks the water, the, the May Sota, the waters of the Sota. If she's innocent, she gets a big bracha, easy childbirth, she'll fall pregnant easily, etc. If she's guilty, 
it's not going to, it's going to, not going to be a pretty sight, and, and, and basically it's going to die a painful death, explosions, etc., etc. However, the Mishnah tells us that it might not be immediate. Says the Mishnah, in Yeshlaschut, but if she's got merits, Haytatolela, the death would be delayed. There are different merits. One gives you an extra year, up until three years. One of these merits is learning Torah. Oh, so says the Gemara, because of this, because if she, in the end of the day, drinks water, so she'll get an extra two years of, um, of life. Anyone who teaches his daughter Torah, it is as if he has taught her Tiflut. And here the word Tiflut is a very difficult word to translate. I'm going to give two explanations between the Rambam and Rashi. Rashi understands that the word over here is basically, the intention is some type of promiscuity. Anyone who's teaching his daughter Torah is teaching her promiscuity. The Rambam seems to understand it differently. Anyone who's teaching his daughter Torah, it's as if he's teaching her idle nonsense and will cause her to ridicule the Torah. Not necessarily promiscuity, but will cause her some type of ridicule of the Torah as if it's nonsense and uh, just stem idleness. Now, there could be a huge distinction between the Rashi and the Rambam when we get to our generation of how we understand that phrase Tiflut. But before we get to that, I just want to understand, according to, according to um, is the Gemara over here talking about teaching a, a woman or one's daughter any Torah? One could argue that how, how is teaching Torah promiscuity? Well, what were we talking about? We were talking about the Sota woman. Huh? And the Sota woman, we know that if for example, if her husband commits adultery, so the Gemara says that basically the water's not going to work. So if you teach, you teach a woman that, you know, you should know that, you know, there's a get out of jail card free here. That if your husband's been messing around, that basically even if you get caught and you drink the water, you're not going to get, you're not going to, you're not going to die. Why? Because, so if that is the, the context, first of all, I can understand Rashi very well. I, what's the dean of teaching promiscuity? Yes, you're basically telling people how to sneak around without getting, without getting punishment or to delay the punishment. And that could cause people to act in a promiscuous way. So if we understand promiscuity, first of all, I can understand the context. But number two is, could it be limited to the sugyas of, of the sata, right? And what's the problem with that? The Gemara never mentions any limitation. Right? The context is within the, the Sota, but there's no limitation. And that is how most of the Rishonim, in fact, I don't know any of the Rishonim, that limited this halacha of teaching his daughter Tiflut only to the sugyas of, of, um, the, sugyas of, um, of the Sota. And, and look at the Rambam. The Rambam says it explicitly. First of all, a woman who learns Torah, she has reward. That fits in with what we learned in the, the Gemara in Kiddushin. A woman isn't obligated to learn Torah, but if she learns Torah, it's like any other mitzvah, she will get reward. 
וכל העושה דבר שלא מצווה עליו לעשותו, אין שכרו כשכר המצווה שעשה, אלא פחות ממנו, אוקיי, the reward won't be the same as a person who is obligated, but there will be a reward. ואף על פי שיש לה שכר, even though there will be reward, ציווך חכמים שלא ילמד אדם את ביתו תורה. The sages commanded us not to teach our daughters Torah, מפני שרוב הנשים אין דעתם מכוונת להתלמד. The Rambam says as follows, number one, and listen to the wording very carefully. Majority of women, their minds are not geared to learn in this way. They And they will either misinterpret or take it out of context, the words of Torah, according to their lack of understanding. And basically it will cause a perversion or uh, some ridicule of the Torah. A different understanding of, Ram, of, of, of Rashi. I, when the Rambam is talking over here, he's giving us an explanation of what the word tiflut means. Different to promiscuity. It's more a, a, a ridicule or perversion or misinterpretation of the Torah. Okay? Amru chachamim tiflut. However, where, what does this refer to? The written Torah shouldn't be taught to her at the outset. But if you did do it, it's not necessarily tiflut, i.e. some type of, according to the Rambam, misinterpretation or ridicule. But if you did it, it's not such a travesty. So here the Rambam adds something that we haven't seen up until now, and that there's a distinction. Uh, it was mentioned, uh, it was mentioned in the Mishnah, it was mentioned before. There might be a distinction between Torah Shebikhtav and Torah Shebaalpeh. So, if I were to summarize, and we're going to try to do this very briefly, it seems that pretty much, if you're looking at the Gemara, if you're looking at the Rishonim, um, one would uh, assume that it's pretty much Asu to teach women Torah today. Um, at least Lachatchila, even not even teaching them Tanakh, but okay, but yeah, but if you teach them Tanakh, Nishkafela, but definitely not teaching them anything else. However, first of all, um, let's see if that makes sense. Why? First of all, says the Shulchan Aruch in Orachai, Siman Memzai, the Halachot of Birkat Torah, Nashim Bevarchot Birkat Torah, women are obligated to recite the bracha of Torah. Oh, that's very strange. They're not obligated to, um, to learn, right? And it's actually to teach them. So what are they, what are they saying a bracha of, uh, what are they saying a bracha for, right? So here, look at the Bureh Hatam dinim shelahem. At the end of the day, they still need to learn things on how to keep Shabbos, how to keep Kashrut, how to keep Tarat HaMishpacha. In fact, most of the halachot that we do today, women need to know as well. Right, everything that we've been learning pretty much applied to women as well as to men. And every, all the shirim that we've been uh, dealing up until now, they need to know these halachot. So, vaday, they need to make uh, a brocha. Now, uh, and, and just look at source number 26, the Ramayin, you're a dare. Uh, after quoting this issue to teach one's daughter, so, a woman has 
seems, both according to the Shulchan Aruch and according to the Ramah, even if we adopt and accept the opinion of the Rambam and the Gemara, etc., that you shouldn't teach your daughter uh, Torah, what type of Torah is that referring to? That's not re- that isn't the Torah um, that she needs to know. What does she need to know? She needs to know Allah. Pretty much, if you, if you would ask me what the Ramah and what the Shulchan Aruch was saying, they're saying, why does she say a Birkat Torah? She says a Birkat Torah because she needs to learn the Halachot. Now, so this is the first call it opening that we've seen where if it seems a very close book that women shouldn't be learning Torah over here we see that already Shulchan Aruch and Ramah say it's not complete obviously she needs to learn and obviously if she needs to learn you, you also need to instruct her on Yilchot Shabbos Yilchot Kashrut Yilchot Tarat HaMishpacha etc etc Kibbut Orim etc etc so and because of that there seems to be a a chiv to say Birkat Torah I'm not going to discuss it does that really make sense? Because they're obligated to learn uh, these halachot, so they have a chiyuv to say birkata Torah. The Shulchan Aruch paskins, Shulchan Aruch, not the Ramah, but the Shulchan Aruch paskins, that for a mitzvah that a woman isn't obligated to learn, to do, she can't say bracha. So if she hears the shofar, she can't say bracha. If she shakes the lunar, she can't say bracha. Ashkenazim paskin differently. But that's the Shulchan Aruch. Second of all, the Shulchan Aruch paskins, if something is a hechsher mitzvah, I don't say a bracha on it either. Mm-hmm. Building my sukkah is like a hechsher mitzvah. It's a sitting in the sukkah, I don't make a bracha on it. If it's true that both the Shulchan Aruch and the Ramah say that women, okay, they're not obligated to learn Torah, but they are obligated to learn in order to know what to do, what type of mitzvah is that? Is that a mitzvah in Talmud Torah? Or is that a mitzvah in? Mm-hmm. It's a hechsher mitzvah for Hilchot Shabbos, right? If it's a hechsha mitzvah, why does the Shulchan Aruch say that they make a bracha? That's against the Shulchan Aruch. For the Ramah, it makes sense, but it's against the Shulchan Aruch. That, I'll leave it as a question. We, don't really, we really don't have time to go into it, but I want to go into the... So, number one, we have the opinion that they need to learn halachot that basically for them to know what to do. Here, Rafim Tronachal Hirsch expands on that idea. He says... Okay, women don't have to be lamdaniot, great scholars, liot bekiot bemidrashe alacha, and know all the ins and outs of everything. That is the main thrust for the men. But understanding text, now he's not talking about halacha here, understanding text, tanach, hadrusha liyirat Hashem, they need to have yirat shamayim, so he says, part of knowing what to do is having Yirat Shamayim. How are you going to instill Yirat Shamayim? They need to know the text. And according to Rafshim Shonrafal Hirsch, so all of a sudden included in that is understanding Tanakh and understanding the depths of it, and that will increase within them Yirat Shamayim. Another possible angle to take completely um, is not because there are certain things that they need to know, but is there, let's say, would there be any room to allow a woman to learn or even teach a woman something that she doesn't necessarily need to know? She's got lots of Yerat Shemayim and this isn't Zvachim, Kumarin Zvachim, right? Is there any halachot of Says the Rambam, let's look at his words again. Mipnei sherov hanashim. 
אין דעתם מכוונת להתלמד. Most women, by them learning Torah, and obviously what Torah now are we talking about, obviously maybe Torah that's not what they need to know, i.e. the more optional in terms of, that's not within their realm of Kiyuma Mitzvot, or even Yerach Shemayim, that most women, it's not what they are, you know, it, it, it will cause ridicule, will cause a misinterpretation, but he focuses on the word most. And here the pressure, the pressure was one of the important uh, poskim on the tour, says as follows, lived in the 16th century, if a woman learns by herself, she has now excluded herself from the majority of women. If she learns correctly, she has excluded herself from the majority opinion and therefore it would be permitted. Aval says the Prisha, So when it comes to a father teaching his young daughter, he's not sure. But in terms of a woman who wants to learn, and she's showing that she's not part of this majority. Now here the, the preacher is making a chidush. What's the chidush? The chidush is, the Rambam stressed majority. But you, one could argue that because in halakha, we pass in halakha based on majorities. And it could be that for an individual, it's good or it's not good. But the halakha is Paskin for everyone based on... But you don't say here, but it's a Well, that, that's what I'm saying. That's the Chidush of the pressure. I, the Chidush of the pressure is we're not saying... I, I, I could have learned the Rambam is saying as follows. Since the majority of women, this is not going to be constructed. Therefore, the Halakha is that all women should not be taught. Right? Comes along the pressure and says, oh, if a woman proves that she's not part of the majority... The laws that we designated for mainstream will not apply to her. And that's a chidosh, because one could have argued that, you know, Chachamim didn't uh, distinguish within their decree. But obviously, according to the preachers, his understanding, the understanding of the Rambam, is that maybe Chachamim did make a distinction within their understanding of their uh, decree. This is also the opinion of the Mayan Ganim. Fam- he was uh, made famous. I never heard of him, but the Torah Tamima has a famous piece on, on women's learning, and he basically basically brings the Mayan Ganim, basically says the same thing, that basically once a, a woman shows that she wants to learn, she's taken herself out of the Rav, and therefore the prohibition of teaching Tiflut wouldn't apply to her. So we've seen two very I mean, distinct... Rav Hirsch also, he also says, he said, he doesn't say the women... Correct, are correct. One could, one could have uh, said that, that even Rav Hirsch would fit in with this, uh, with this approach. But I'm saying there are two separate reasons. Um, the, one of, the one of the Prisha slash Torah Tamima Mayan Ganim is saying that if a woman's not part of the majority, then basically there's no limitations of what she can learn. There's another heter, which is more all-encompassing in terms of how we approach all women, but it is less encompassing in terms of the scope. All women need to be taught halachot that they need, uh, and that will include halachot, that will also include um, learning Tanakh, etc., and anything that will bring them to Yerach Now, here, there's also a distinction amongst 
poskim, what does this approach of what they need to know, how far do you take that? For example, Rav Shechter is quoted as saying that what does it mean that a woman needs to know Yechot Shabbos? doesn't mean she should take, you should teach her kids to Shulchan Aruch. What does it mean? It means she should learn the sugyot from a Sechet Shabbos that apply to the Halachot. Should learn the Rishonim. Basically, Surba. Go from the Gemara, the Shitot of the, the, of the, uh, the Rishonim, so she can understand. Because obviously, if you don't understand the principles behind the Halacha, every situation is going to be different. So how are you going to know what to do? That's, that's an understanding of Rav Shechta. I'm not necessarily sure that every, um, every Posek who subscribes that, yeah, we need to teach them what, would also agree that they should be learning Gmarot and Rishonim and, uh, and Poskim. I'm not sure, but that definitely, even within this approach, one could take that to a very high level and basically, you know, would be a full-time job just trying to get through all of the all of those halachot that women need to know it's you know it's a lifetime's worth of study yeah you see that some of these seminaries here for girls when they have to learn a gemara right they're not learning it from a gemara they're learning it from sheets that yeah. are prepared uh-huh. and often a and often what Agatha. often a Agatha. right okay so so we see that is two uh two different uh, approaches there's also, uh, if you look at the Pnele Alacha, uh, he says as follows. Although there's no obligation, if she wants to learn Lashem Shamaim, the Sage says that if she does so, she gets reward. Even though she's not commanded. And this has, you know, this is known in history that we had women, that brewery and others, that basically became Tamidot Chachamot. So, if they're not part of the Roth, this seems to be going with the opinion of the Prisha and the Tartamima, i.e., if a woman wants to take herself out of the Roth, there's no problem. However, Persons, a woman generally isn't drawn to, you know, she wants to delve into Torah. No, to basically give a simple understanding, not to start doing pilpulim and chakiras, etc. Rather to teach them the bottom line. That is different to what I just said in the name of Rav Shechta. So here you see an approach that on the one hand, if I'm going to accept the opinion of the Prisha, for those specific women, the floodgates are open. Whatever they want to learn. But for the general population, here Rav Melamed is actually saying, listen, give her bottom line. Why, why, why do they need to learn Rishonim and Achronim? Is that, uh, yeah, more bottom line, simple halacha. Now, now we come to the famous opinion. Oh, sorry, I skipped. I skipped the Chavetz Chaim. I'm sorry. And here comes the third opinion, which is perhaps the most radical in terms of the Hashpah that the, these few words of the Chochmetz Chaim had on the Jewish world. I'm not sure if there have been many more few lines or texts in Jewish literature that have had such a profound effect on the Jewish world as, uh, as these few words in the Chochmetz Chaim. Okay? We, and, and only the Chochmetz Chaim could have done this because in the last 150 years, I don't know if there was anyone who was ex- as accepted 
as by everyone pretty much as the Chofetz Haim. And even here he wasn't accepted uh, for what he said, but pretty much by the majority of the Jewish world he was accepted. And here comes the words of the Chofetz Haim. In previous generations, where everyone would uh, uh, dwell in his own city, in the place of his parents, and there was a transcendent from generation to generation, from parent to child. It was a transition, a natural transition. Then we could say, women don't need to learn Torah. She would receive it from the home. But now, in our sins, that generally, receiving the traditions from our parents has become very weak. And people moving out of times. There is, we're living in the times of urbanization, emancipation, everyone's moving, the industrial revolution. Things are not the same. Here, Mishabura, the Chavetz Chaim says another reason. They are, the women are learning other languages and other cultures. Here we need to teach them Tanakh, we need to teach them um, even Mishnah Pirkei Avot because that's basically teaching them Yirat Hashem, Derech Eretz, Avat Hashem that is what is needed. What is the Chofetz Chaim Rebbe saying? He's bringing two arguments. People usually quote it in one, but I think he's actually bringing two separate arguments, and this might be critical. He's saying argument number one is that basically they're not getting it from the home. Argument number two is they're getting outside or external things to make them now. They are learned. They're learning Russian. They're learning whatever it is. They're learning all these secular studies. We need to give them a basis of Yadut, or else they will go off the derech. Now, basically, what has the Chavetz Chaim really done? I don't think he's being too radical. What he said is, what was, what was needed in the times of the Ramah and the Shulchan Aruch, right? and then we saw in the times of Rav Shimshon and Rav Hirsch got ex- ex- extended and expanded, the Chavetz Chaim is just taking it to the next level. Right? He's, he's basically saying, well, we need to put them in, in a systematic way of, of teaching this, uh, etc., etc., and what they need to know, and giving them the foundations of, of Yadut because they're not getting it from the home and they're getting other things. Okay. And now comes the famous opinion of Rab Soloveitchik. And Rab Soloveitchik basically came along and said that we can teach Gemara to women and Gemara Be'ion, the same level as men. Is that a radical diversion from what we've seen up until now? Or is Rab Soloveitchik being not so radical? So he's, he's saying like the Chavetz Chaim, right? But, but the Chavetz Chaim just said learn Pirkei okay, right? Because that's uh, yeah. uh, something years ago. Sorry, Tzenorena and a few other books. Now one could argue, um, we'll we'll see one opinion of Rab Meir Tversky that he was arguing that his father or grandfather, I'm not sure. Um, no, grandpa. He's, this is the, the grandson writing this. 
he held that his grandfather wasn't such a radical. Look, we'll read it in English very quickly. We've got about five minutes. Um, the halakha prohibiting Torah study for women is not indiscriminate or all-encompassing. There's complete unanimity, unanimity that women are obligated to study halakhot pertaining to mitzvot which are incumbent upon them. Clearly, men are permitted to provide instruction in these areas. The father's obligation of chinuch relates equally to sons and daughters. The prohibition of teaching the oral Torah to women relates to optional Torah. If ever circumstances dictate that study of oral law is necessary to provide a firm foundation for faith, such study becomes obligatory and obviously lies beyond the pale of any prohibition. Up until now, who does this sound like? Well, I could put this into the Ramash Aruch and even the Chofetz Chaim. Right? It's basically saying, however, undoubtedly the Rav's prescription was more far-reaching than that of the Chofetz Chaim and others. But the difference in magnitude should not but obscure their fundamental agreement. Intuitively, it is the guidance of the Talmud in Masechet Sotah were never intended for our epoch. It's just a question of what is needed in order to instill in girls, Yeratramayim, Ava Totara, etc., etc. According to Rav Soloveitchik, what we're going to need is Gemara B'Iyon. Um, according to the Chavetz Chaim, no. But is there inherent uh, distinction between the two of them? According to Rav Meir no. One could argue yes. One could argue yes. One could argue that we saw that the Rambams made a distinction between Torah Bichtav and Torah Shabbat Torah Shabbat is in the parameters of Tiflut. Torah Bichtav is never in the parameters of Tiflut. It's in the parameters of not Nechatchina, but Bidi Ebed okay. One could argue that even what, what the what what the uh, what the Mishnah Brura, what the Chavetz Chaim was basically doing was he was basically taking the Bidiyebet of what the Rambam was saying and making it into a Lechatchila. But he never was talking about the genre of, of Tiflut that wasn't within the scope. Whereas Rab Soloveitchik is not making such a distinction. And therefore, if, you, if you're going to go with that Chiluk, right, you might be, it might be very different in terms of here, Absalomatic is a lot more radical than the Chofetz Chaim. It's not a continuation, but actually a different, a different argument altogether. Again, that clearly isn't the way Rav Meir Tversky under, understood um, his grandfather, Absalomatic, and that's not how he understood Rav, um, the Chofetz Chaim. He didn't understand it that way. Could one understand the Chofetz Chaim that way? Possibly. Right? Um, the last opinion, and I'll say it outside, Moriba Rabbi Rav and here, I think Rav Lechensin, Rav Lechensin, he writes it in here. He also gave a famous uh, um, speech in the high school in Mayanot, in where's it, Tinek, somewhere in um, Tinek. And over there, basically, when he subscribed to teaching women Torah on the highest level, and his opinion was basically, he, first of all, he invokes everything that we've said. Women need to know what they, uh, they need to know Torah, um, and, and, and Dafka, if you're not going to teach them that in depth, that might be a perversion of the Torah. And he felt that that might be a perversion of the Torah, especially in our, in our generation, uh, and, and will cause divrei havai and ridicule. Again, that's within the opinion of the Rambam. The Rashi had a different understanding of promiscuity. But if we're going with the shit of the Rambam, I think he, what he was saying is Dafka, the more eon, the less perversion and misunderstanding will come of it, right? Number two, number two, one could argue, uh, says, says Rabbi Lechensin, that in terms of Vadai, you know, there's also a woman that want to learn um, 
So the floodgates are open to them. They shouldn't be. But Rabbi Lichtenstein wasn't, Rabbi Lichtenstein, I think, was prescribing for all women to be learning on high level. And, and where did that come from? So one could say, well, he's just taking Rav Soloveitchik and pretty much continuing. It seems that um, Rabbi Lichtenstein added one element. And the element was as follows. That in a generation where women are educated, <coughs> right, not only, not only will there not be a misinterpretation or a misunderstanding, it no longer applies, but it will be almost immoral not to allow women the opportunity to connect to HaKadosh Baruch Hu through Torah. And this really, uh, really connects to Rav Lichtenstein, because Rav Lichtenstein, he could not imagine how you could, the most beautiful thing in Yadut is Torah learning. Rabbi Lichtenstein was, that was his life, was Torah learning. The most beautiful thing, the, 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 the best way to connect to Baruch Hu is through Torah learning, not just Torah learning, learning B'nion. Anything less than that was, was you know, you're not going to connect to Baruch Hu. So he's saying now that women don't have the problem, problems of, of the, the perversion or, or misunderstanding, how can we not allow our daughters that opportunity to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu on that way. And therefore, he was almost saying it, almost as a, a, a director, that we need to give them the opportunity, which is, which is slightly different to everything that we've heard up until now. So, so to summarize, we have the opinion of the... Um, they, 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 need, you can, they can learn, you can teach them what they need to know, how far that goes. So the Rav Shechter says that goes all the way back to the Gemara Rishonim. Others will disagree, maybe kids of Shulchan Aruch, etc., the second reason to be open the floodgates is um, they need to, when they need to know, it's not just halachot, but it's also emunah and tanach, according to Rafael Hirsch, etc. That might be taken. A third reason is, well, depends. There's the masses and then there's the few. The few that want to take themselves out of the directive of the masses, the, any of these limitations don't apply to them. And the fourth is the opinion of the Chofetz Chaim that basically now that women are not getting it from the home, we have to basically instill some type of Jewish education for women, um, including um, not only Halachot, but Yerachamayim, Avat Hashem, and that will include elements of um, Torah Shabal Peh, such as Pirka Avot, etc. Um, and finally, you have the opinion of Rav Soloveitchik that says, that they need to learn on a high level. Either this is a continuation of the Chofetz Chaim, or it is something new, perhaps, as we understood it based on Rav Lichtenstein. All those um, differences, uh, and then obviously what we didn't mention earlier is Sakma. Basically, Sakma didn't even accept the opinion of the Chofetz Chaim. They basically stayed with the pretty much from the Gemara and the Rambam. Not, nothing, uh, nothing more than that. So that is the spectrum. What's interesting is both the sugya of learning in Kola that we discussed at the beginning of this year and the sugya of women's learning, we see that <coughs> both of these halachot are connected to Talmud Torah and the poskim, some felt that societal norms change how the halacha um, uh, would approach learning full-time in Kolel, women's learning, and what we didn't get to also the halachot of writing a Sefer Torah. Writing a Sefer Torah, it's a mitzvah midoraita to write a Sefer Torah. According to the Drisha, based on the Rosh, which we're not going to get into, 
the Drisha says, now that the Rosh expands, that since the whole purpose of writing a Torah is to learn, and people don't learn, the, the Sefer Torah is in the Aaron Kodesh, so you, according to the Drisha, not only did the Rosh expand it to writing Gemaras, etc., and Chumachim, because that's what you're going to learn at home, but it nullified the mitzvah to write a Sefer Torah, because we don't learn from a Sefer Torah. You read it at Kriyat Torah. There was a opinion on the Drisha. So again, over here, you have a mitzvah connected to the Talmud Torah, or and the societal norms can impact how halakha um, would dictate what we have to do in all three of the sugyot in today's year. So, yeshakoach. Yeah.